Welcome to the Be a Light in the Darkness podcast, where the whole universe is standing on tiptoe, waiting for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God, and you are one of them. We are live again here at the Be a Light in the Darkness podcast studios in Timisoara, Romania. Happy to have you back for episode two. I hope you uh, will like and subscribe and be a part of our family and come back for many more episodes. On this episode, we are going to be talking about what does being revealed as a son or a daughter of God mean and how does spiritual authority play in. For me, to be revealed as a son or daughter of God, it means that we need to obviously step into our spiritual authority but we also have to, an important role in the revealing, exercise our faith, because it says in Hebrews that without faith we cannot please God. And that would mean to me that without faith we can't even step into the role of being a son or daughter of God properly. Exercising that faith that God is working with us, God is working through us, that God is using us in this world to accomplish his will and his mission here on earth. I want to also look at where we're coming from with this. And it makes me think about where we are today as a church body. I'm trying to think about ways to talk about this outside of church jargon, if that makes sense. Yeah. And maybe you can... I understand what you're saying by church jargon because they definitely have a jargon that gets used inside of churches. Are, I mean, words. I yeah. mean, that's a whole other conversation, but words are filled with meaning it holds i feel like the the sense of things there's the cultural the traditions the historical and there's an energy with words as well so if we use words like sons or daughters of god or church bodies abroad those are all very specific ways to point to something what is it pointing to well it depends on the word but we're talking about God and our identity in God. Mm. But again, even the word God, God as a word, it doesn't really suffice to me. I It well, never really connected. And then you can talk about Jesus or Christ, and it's not Jesus Christ as in first name and last name, so that's a whole other topic as well. But you could say people think of God as the creator or the universe or it's god has another name like allah but all of these ways that we talk about and think about god for lack of a better word <laughs> that affects the whole conversation the whole feeling the whole connection you mean your your connection to god by the the word that we use to describe god is that what definitely, you're saying definitely definitely because again when we start this conversation just the words that you are using or that that we're using, it's very specifically lodged within a Christian tradition. We are coming from that, but I feel that there's limitation, and that sounds heretical. No, it's not. It's Well, maybe some people might think it's heretical, but I don't think it's heretical because there's always limitations on any word because words are just containers that contain thoughts and ideas. And those thoughts and ideas can change over time as to what those words are, as we see even in our society where they're assaulting words and trying to change what they mean by saying that 
you can be a they them or you can be a zz or whatever the latest thing is that they want to say that you can be or noun or whatever yeah that's and that's an assault on words and the the container that they are and what those words mean because once you destroy what a word means or change what it means it changes how people approach things how they look at things how they think about things so that's the other end of the spectrum that i'm talking about Mm -hmm. right uh so basically it's important how we use it and just being aware of where we're coming from with it in a roundabout way i'm trying to say we are coming from a christian tradition and worldview but we're looking at things through a more comprehensive lens and seeing how everything weaves in. Because I feel that there's a universal aspect of what we're talking about, of God, of these understandings that you can find in various cultures and traditions as well. And I don't want it to get lost in these labels that we use. So even though we're saying revealing the sons and daughters, and I do want to dive more into what that means to us, we can talk about it and actually engage in it and be it using words that are outside of just the Christian tradition. Absolutely. There's words from all traditions, like in many of the Eastern traditions, they might call it enlightenment. And even in Paul in the epistles to the Ephesians, prays that we would be enlightened. So it is a word that is used in Christian tradition also, but not as much as you would say in a Buddhist tradition or a Hindu tradition where they talk about being enlightened. But ultimately what to me that's talking about is being revealed as a son or daughter of God, becoming to a revelation of where you are so in tune with the divine force, with with Yahweh, with love, with the creative force of this universe, you are pleasing to God in every way, in every aspect of your life. Like it talks about in the first part of the book of Genesis, Enoch walked with God and was not. And in the book of Hebrews, it says that Enoch had walked with God that was so pleasing to God that God just took him that he didn't have to die. And each and every one of us, I believe, can do that. And I personally believe that that could play a part in what Christians call the rapture. The church gets so in tune, the body of Christ, those who are following Yeshua, get so in tune with their walk. They're so pleasing with God that it, it spurs on the revelation of all the sons and daughters of God. And they're walking so closely with God that they get caught up in the air and are not anymore as to what they would call the rapture. It's, to me, a better explanation for the rapture. I'm not here to say when the rapture is going to take place. This is not a pre-trib, post-mid-trib debate. I I don't even want to get into that because, to me, that's irrelevant as to when the rapture takes place. It is something that is talked about in Scripture that when Jesus returns, everyone will be caught up. Well, what would spur him on to returning more than the church becoming the spotless bride, so in tune with him, so walking so closely with God that it pleases him and he returns to bring them up into the, the realm of 
eternity or, or heaven or whatever you want to call it as it's invading earth. And isn't actually coming from a literature major background, if I'm just looking at the expressions or the text, if you're caught up, what it's referring to is or very well can be what we're talking about here. You are so in tune with God and walking with God and letting God move through you that you are then literally caught up. And in some ways, I can see some parallels with the Eastern or Buddhist understanding of enlightenment in that sense, too. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a lot more nuance and depth within the different thoughts and traditions. But that is, to me, what being caught up is. It doesn't necessarily have to mean some physical, you disappear into the clouds. That's not to say that can't be at all. But at the very core of it, it is being in union with God. It's, that's to me what walking with God, when he says, follow me, mm -hmm. it is your life, your being, your thoughts, your actions. Again, you know, the words and how they create, they create an atmosphere and then actions and reality. That's exactly what happens. Our thoughts are captured. And so our thoughts are so controlled that the words that come out of our mouth are perfect with the will of God. And it says in James that who can control the tongue will be a perfect man. So that's a huge responsibility placed upon each and every one of us to control the things that we say and how we say them. But it has to start with the thoughts because you don't say anything unless you've thought about it first. And the first time you think about it might not be the time you say it either. They say a lot of times you have to think about something at least 63 times before you'll say it or you'll act upon it. So here's where the importance of controlling the thoughts and why it says take every thought captive because you have to examine what do those thoughts mean. Is that thought a, a thought that will bring about good actions, good repercussions, or evil repercussions? How will it affect the world at large? How will it affect my neighbor, which in turn affects myself? This is why Jesus said I should love my neighbor as myself, because what happens to my neighbor happens to me. So the way I see it is that because we are all reflections of or aspects of God, we reflect on each other. So everything that we do, feel, think, and pray or curse, it affects not only ourselves, but everybody else mm -hmm. and the world. So that actually is the reason why to me, this whole conversation and this whole diving in to be revealed or to be fully who we are, knowing our identity in God, why that is so incredibly critical, especially now, is because if we don't step into that, we are basically letting the world be taken over by these principalities and powers that are completely against us and not reflecting our true nature. Mm -hmm. Put another way, you know, the evil and the hurt in it's, the world. It's the, what the we currently see right now in our seeing. world. It's what we're experiencing. That there isn't enough people that have decided that they want to walk so close with God that they want to please God in every aspect of their life that they no longer want to do things that will harm other people. 
And it's way beyond just going to church and listening to a sermon on Sunday. Yes. And so throughout this podcast, we want to explore how we each step in, how we each claim our identity. Absolutely. One of the ways, this is almost kind of a collective thing that I, I think has to happen, where it says revealing of the it sons and daughters of God. Yeah, it's got to be a collective thing. Because like you were saying, one of us thinking it is powerful, but two of us thinking it becomes even more powerful because one can affect a thousand, two, ten thousand, it says in the word, three, and you go on and you start adding those numbers up. We bring about a collective consciousness shift on this planet of how we think about ourselves, that we are all divine creations, that we are kings and queens, priests and priestesses of the Most High God, that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ in an authority and dominion over this earth. Instead of letting circumstances happen to us, we collectively change the circumstances of this planet to where we literally decide that we will no longer allow the sacrifice of unborn children in any way, as shape, or form. Example. As one example. Yeah, as one example. But it's a very important example oh, because absolutely. that that alone, that act on this planet of babies being killed every minute, every second of every day, and it's happening right now, as we speak and do this podcast, there are babies being aborted someplace on this no, planet, I mean. being murdered and being sacrificed in one way, shape, or form. And if you think it's not, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. But until we, as humanity, as the bride of Christ, wake up and say, no, enough is enough. We are no longer going to allow our children, our babies, to be sacrificed to Moloch and Baal. And that's what these Planned Parenthood clinics are. They're sacrificial temples to Moloch and Baal. You can put a nice covering on it, a label, and, and make it sound like, oh, this is just family planning. Well, what, what family are you planning if you kill the baby? There's no family after the baby's dead. That's just another way that they've been playing with words for a long time yeah. and affecting the meaning and, and the truth behind the words. Words, again, are just pointers, but then they do become imbued with a lot more meaning and different energies behind it. So where we're going with all of this is the things that current society and even inside the church, the way the church is thinking, is restraining that revelation, I believe, of what uh, becoming sons and daughters of God, the full mm. re revelation. So that that's really interesting because just that one word, restraining, and in, in the context of the church, when supposedly the church is the one to do the opposite, for lack of a better word, or so. Uh, honestly, you... the church has been used throughout the centuries to cause all kinds of havoc by the way that they've restrained people with words. So, what is being restrained? before we even dive into the church's role in this. the What is being restrained is uh, authority in Christ, the fact that our words have power and cause things to be created, which means our thoughts have power. Even when you think about something, 
that energy, it produces an energy. And that energy doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone around you. It affects the person specifically you might be having that thought about, even if they're on the other side of the planet, or maybe it's the universe, depending on how far they might be away. And that's why it's so important to have thoughts that are uplifting, that build someone up, and to forgive. Forgive yourself, forgive everyone around you, forgive people who've hurt you, because the longer you go in unforgiveness, the more bad thoughts that you're going to have about that person, about that situation, about that thing that happened to you that might have been horrible, but you still have to forgive. So basically, all of those negative thoughts and feelings, it starts reverberating. Yes. And it starts rippling out. And it does touch you personally. But also, you know, let's say it's for someone who committed some horrible sin or crime. And if we curse them and focus that negative energy on them. That's a curse, by by the way, focusing negative energy on them. And if we do that, so basically we are giving them a sentence to continue. You're condemning them. Right, we're condemning them, but we're we're helping them to continue to be in that mode, to be and and to hurt others. others, Yeah. And and you could almost look at it as the the old uh, saying of death by a thousand cuts. This could be a death by a thousand thoughts. Mm. Because yeah. each thought is like a little knife. If it's if it's a cursed type thought, an unholy, unforgiving thought towards another person, those are little mental knives and daggers that go out and penetrate not only you, because you know a knife usually has a dagger will have two sides on it and cuts you possibly, but it cuts the people around you. It cuts the the person that you're having the thought about and it it causes a disruption in the harmony and the love the force of love well that it all of this that we're talking about the thoughts the actions the ideas these all affect the energy the vibrations around all of us yes so it it's literally you know it's it's coming out and affecting you from within but also you know, other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, so the flip side of this, too, is that a lot of times we have to stand strong in truth and actually stand up for something. Part of the issue with what's going on in the world is that we overall, as people, as a society, as a church body, we're not standing up. Absolutely. We are keeping quiet. We're going along with. And that is actually the most dangerous. And damaging. And damaging. We saw the best example of that during the last three years in 2020, 2021, when we had the COVID pandemic go on. And we saw people that, you saw families get torn apart because one side wanted the vaccine, the other side didn't want the vaccine. That's one side you, wanted to wear masks, the other side didn't want to wear masks. And that's what you've experienced in your own family. Absolutely, I've experienced in my own family because I obviously am seeing it from a different point of view than they are. And they're unwilling to look at it from another point of view. I, I still have a, a family member that I am have not spoken with since 2020 because of it. And she 
basically told me to lose her number, which would mean that she never wants to speak with me again, apparently. I found out she's still going out and getting the shots, the boosters. And I mean, at this point, anyone who isn't aware that those boosters are causing harm, that those shots caused harm, that they killed more people than the, quote, pandemic that they said was affecting the world, and that most of the people that they say died of COVID didn't die of COVID, they died of other things. It's, you know, it, it's willful blindness just about this point, or all you're paying attention to is what they call the mainstream media, the traditional media. You're not going out and looking at any other sources of information because there are plenty of sources of information out there to go out and examine that will tell you these facts, that what happened was a, a huge lie, and they used those shots. They were actually a bioweapon intended to harm humanity and to depopulate the world. And one of the biggest tragedies of this is we had pastors in churches who told their congregations to go out and get the shot or they couldn't come to church. So I'm bringing that back then to our conversation about authority. So if we're placing our authority to so-called experts, you know, yeah, prof- trust medical, the science. professionals, science, even pastors, any anybody or anything outside of our God-given wisdom and discernment, So back to the conversation about authority, where does that place the authority then? If a pastor is having people go get this shot and placing the trust, not in God or in your own inner wisdom and discernment from God, but the authority now is actually under fear, but it's also being placed in figures of authority in our world, like Dr. Fauci. The science, right? Mr. Science. So I'm bringing this back to our conversation about authority, but authority in what or who? It's in God, right? And in in our inner discernment and wisdom from God or Holy Spirit. Yeah, because if you're a believer in, in Christ, you have the deposit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in you, and the Holy Spirit says, will teach us all things. So we shouldn't be looking to external sources for our teaching as much as we should be going internally to speaking with the Holy Spirit, with God, and asking for wisdom from above. And right now what's happening is we are submitting ourselves to the spirit of fear, and we are not standing in that authority that we were talking about. And that's a breath by breath, day by day, moment by moment process where you're tuning in constantly and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in every action, every thought, every word that you have. And when we do that, we will be revealed as a church. We will be the bride that's without spot or wrinkle. When we take the time to tune into the word that's written in our heart and on our minds, as it says in the Bible, that I've written my word on your heart and on your mind. And we are always looking for these external sources to lead us. When we have the eternal living God living in us, and he is ready to lead us through the power of the Holy Spirit, the holy breath, the holy wind, 
into all truth. And it is the church's role to bring that heavenly supernatural realm here on earth. That is the piece that I really want to dive into yeah. in a in a further episode in more depth. But that is the piece that I feel has been missing for some time in Christianity. So a lot of this product of the supernatural being extinct from the modern body of Christ is, I believe, on purpose, and it's been brought in by the idea of dispensationalism, which was started with John Nelson Darby and later got even pushed into the church further by the Schofield Bible, the Schofield Reference Bible, which actually rewrote some of the Bible in its reference notes. In fact, it was sometimes hard to tell which was the Bible, the difference between what was the Bible and what were the reference notes in the Schofield Bible. And the Schofield Bible is a product of Freemasonry. And there is absolutely zero room in the church for any Freemasons or the people who are participating in Freemasonry because it is a Luciferian religion and it is a cult and it is anti-Christ. And of course, their goal would be to strip the church of supernatural authority and power. Why is that, though? Because you want a church that to be neutered because then you can bring in your satanic religion. They want a satanic one-world religion. They've been working on it for a long time, thousands and thousands of years. They want to raise up their Antichrist. And one of the ways you do that is to reduce the church to a hollow shell of itself. Making people complacent, when you were saying neutered, to me the opposite of standing in authority. And recently, in these last few days, I've really been meditating on this and just hearing and seeing messages about stripping people of our direct inner connection to God. And if you think about it, why would that not be the first thing that the devil wants to do? And what better way to do that than to infiltrate from within, so within the church itself? And to reduce the role and power of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And the Holy Spirit is moving, and it is what speaks to us, what guides us. Without the Holy Spirit, the church really, it's just an organization. It's just people meeting together to have fellowship and maybe a brunch and or a meal together. But the, the Holy Spirit is what Christ sent to us after he left to give us that supernatural power, the supernatural authority, and literally Christ himself living inside of us. And we have to have faith and to accept that. And it's one of the reasons why it's, especially in the charismatic movement, they emphasize being baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's also been on my heart recently is coming to walk with God, not in some metaphorical sense, but in a very personal, intimate way that must be experienced from within, from our soul, through our feelings even. And feelings are actually the way that we can experience the divine. And these agendas that we were just 
talking about. It's all meant to push us further and further away from ourselves, which is connected to God, and create more and more of that separation. And that is the hell. That is the the thing that creates and festers and fosters all of the hatred and the violence and hurts and abuse and leads everyone, not everyone, but most people in some way, shape or form to walk around with this sense of separation, emptiness. And so much of the church is walking in this way where they they believe that the spirit only worked in the first century through the apostles, and then after that, it stopped. Well, that's just, to me, that's heretical. That's heresy to even say that. Why would God stop working in his creation suddenly and just do it for a hundred years after Jesus died? That makes no sense to me. And they, they base it on one verse in the Bible that is very questionable, this whole ending of the Holy Spirit, that there's no more apostles, there's, there's no more Holy Spirit moving like he did at Pentecost. And this is, again, we see the results of it because this has become a collective thought in the church, in a vast majority of the church, and it has really shut down the supernatural in the church. And instead, we need to change the thought of the church of the Holy Spirit is active and living in me. God is the God of the living, God of the, the supernatural, and the Holy Spirit is a living thing inside of us. And that he wants to do miracles through us. He wants to do greater things through us than what Jesus did. Otherwise, we're basically, in effect, saying God is dead, or if not dead, ineffectual. Yeah. So speaking of son and daughtership, that's pointing to an identity, is it not? Yeah. You have to identify it with being in Christ. And we- so it's also, as a son or daughter, we are sons and daughters of the living God, the living God and the King of Kings. Yeah. So what does that make us? Kings and princes and princesses, they're royalty. Right. And how does it change how you see yourself and how you see your identity and how you're walking in this world as representative of God, an aspect of God, but also God's child who inherits the earth. And we're meant to have dominion as in responsibility and stewardship and loving compassion over this earth. So that piece of walking with God and bringing the heavenly realms, the supernatural peace into our natural world and into who we are, all of our relations, and then the type of world that we create, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And this all comes back to how does this start? The thoughts we think, the thoughts become the words we say, the words become the actions we take. And I think it starts with identity. So do we know who we are? (laughs) Are you identifying with Christ and being seated in heavenly places and coming from a heavenly perspective with your thoughts? Are you taking the thoughts captive that no longer serve you and, and asking the Holy Spirit to change those thoughts, the thoughts that serve God, that serve the purpose of the will of the living God to have heaven invade earth through his royal family? Right. 
And part of what I want to explore throughout these conversations, both between us solo or with other people, is how do we do that? How is it apparent in our lives, in the lives of others? And I think it'll be exciting and fun to dive into. A lot of it will be actually, you know, the day-to-day things, the mundane. But some of it's a lot more. I, I feel like it goes back to what we mentioned earlier about understanding the ripple effect of everything, how everything vibrates and it reverberates out. Mm-hmm. The thing, the thoughts that we're thinking to, you know, what we're doing and being. As we continue to explore this topic of what it means to be revealed, because this is not a one podcast, one episode type thing. This is an ongoing revelation that each of us is taking part in. If you've chosen to be a part of this podcast, and if you found this podcast, it's because you want to be revealed. You want to be a revealed son or daughter of God. You want to step into the light. You want to be the salt and light. You want to help change this planet into a place where God reigns from his holy mountain in Zion. Let's explore more of this supernatural peace in the future episodes. And let's just close with a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for giving us this spark, this idea to run with. We ask that you would continue to use us to help reveal your truth, the truth that you've revealed to us that we could share with the world. And it would be a mighty spark that begins to change this planet that it would help to stop the unhinged killing that's on this planet that goes forth every day in the form of child sacrifice and abortion and wars and murders of our brothers and sisters on the streets of cities all across this planet. Father, forgive us. Forgive us as a church, as your bride, for not speaking up about these things enough, not standing up and telling the darkness to flee and get away, and to do war against the principalities and powers, Lord, that you've given us the authority over to do. Because our war here isn't against the humans on this planet. It's in the angelic realm, the spiritual dimension. And we, Lord, ask you that you would use us in this podcast to help advance your kingdom, to advance your will of heaven invading earth through our words that we take and share with everyone that will hear this podcast. In your Son, Jesus' name, we ask that you bless this podcast with your presence, with your Holy Spirit, everybody that hears it, that they would be touched and moved in a mighty way to go out and be the light in the darkness. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope you have enjoyed this episode of Be a Light in the Darkness podcast, and you will come back and join us for more 